There's a unique aspect of fasting in that it reminds us of the relationship between the physical and the spiritual, because we know that we are both flesh and blood. But I think often we tend to assume that there's this barrier between the spirit and the flesh when really we're, it is interwoven. You can't separate those two and fasting does something. I've got this quote and unfortunately I don't remember who said this, but here's what it says. Food is necessary for life. When we go without it, we deplete ourselves of energy, the energy of life and choosing to go without food. We're choosing the way of the cross counterintuitively in choosing physical death. We experience spiritual life we learn to depend not on our own strength, but God's. Like the prophet Ezekiel, we make a meal out of the very word of God. As we repent of trusting in the flesh, we better learn to experience the power of the Spirit. I'm a happy, 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 happy man. Just made that song up on the spot. Guys, I feel like singing and whistling because I'm taking my wife away for the weekend for her birthday. Your daughter, yeah. Well, when you say your daughter, you're talking to me and not people listening to the program. (laughs) (laughs) What? Taking my daughter away. Yes, Ray Comfort's daughter, my wife. You married up. I did. You know what we do? A lot of times when we can't get away out of town because there's just so much going on, we like to go somewhere local and just go to a hotel like near a place like uh, the Irvine Spectrum. That's where we're going this time. And we've done it before down by Fashion Island or by the Block in Orange. And it's just great. They're beautiful areas. Yeah, three, four days, sometimes two, three, four days. And we just get a hotel, and then we'll go, we'll walk, we'll, we'll eat, you know, we'll go have coffee, dessert. We'll, um, Compton. I have some great coffee spot, spots for you near the spectrum. Oh, no, don't even mention coffee. Now I lost my appetite for coffee. I said Compton. But <laughs> Compton. <laughs> don't even remind me of what you and Mark Spence did to me one time while we were driving through Compton. But anyway. I yeah. did a, should I mention that? That's amazing, Easy. What time do you want me there for dinner? Anyway, we were driving the freeway back from somewhere, me, Mark, and Easy, and Easy said, I need to go to the bathroom, I'm bursting. And so Mark and I just talked about Niagara Falls, <laughs> and he was so tired. I was almost going to die. So we, we stopped, stopped in Compton. That's how that's bad, how bad you need to go to the bathroom. And we that's lived. Not, I can't believe I survived that. So we love doing that, and uh, getting away, it's really fun. You guys do stuff like that with your wife? I love like going away because it's great to get back. Ray, you do not like... Going and doing stuff like that. No, I just love being at home with my chickens, uh, with my wife, with my chickens. <laughs> with my, yeah, my wife, dog, and chickens. So, friends, if I break out into singing and whistling during the program, that's why after this last podcast, that's what I'm doing. Ray, which do you prefer of me, to sing or whistle? I'd like you to sing on a hill far away. You know, I'll never forget the snobbery I felt from you and Sue, whom I call Mum, my mother-in-law, when I was whistling one time at your house, you guys had this supercilious attitude toward me because you thought you were really good whistlers and I wasn't. No, they just wanted you to take a long walk off a short pier. Because you guys are big whistlers and I can't whistle that good. The one thing I remember about you was seeing you dance across our lawn after you got my permission to marry oh, my you daughter. remember that? We watched you out our front window as you were leaving. We just didn't let you leave. We looked at you as you were leaving. I was skipping. You were skipping across our lawn for like two and a half hours. Well, after a man is told that that's the best news he's heard since the resurrection, after asking uh, if I can... Did you ever have a desire to move back to Lebanon and bring Rachel with you? You know what? 
There was a time. Do you remember oh, that? That was a nightmare for me. I didn't know what Lebanon was like. I thought that the Lord may, you know, was calling us to Lebanon. Oh, this was way well, back when. There then. was a movie out called Not With My Daughter. <laughs> Not Without My Daughter. Not Without My Daughter. That's right. And I'm, that's I'm, crazy because there was a girl that I, I had dated before Rachel, and I went and asked, talked talk to her dad. And she told me later, she said, they, they were worried. They watched that movie, Not Without My Daughter, and you're an Arab. So they were worried. Anyway, friends, we're talking about fasting today. Fasting. Boy, fasting is one of those kind of nebulous sort of misunderstood things. I think a lot of Christians are like, why do we fast? What in the world is fasting all about? And I think it's uh, important whistling. You know, one of my kids, brilliant child, I mean, like reading at like three, almost four, three at, at a second grade level, could not whistle. He's 18 right now, reading at a second grade <laughs> right. Could not whistle or blow their nose. Trying to teach a kid to whistle is a really hard but thing. They, kept, they would suck in rather than... That's how I whistle. No. That's how my mom whistles. I'm sucking in. Can you blow out? Oh, thank That's you for terrible. joining us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they couldn't whistle and they couldn't blow their nose either. Brilliant, like at seven, blow your nose. And they, they would inhale through their nose. Anyway, <laughs> fasting. Ray, you fast. With a passion. You, don't you call it slowing instead of fasting? Since I became a Christian, I knew it was right and I had to do it. So it's been 50 years. And it's something like, let's say, 5,000 meals I've missed, I think. So I'd be a little, wow. I'd be a little bouncy. How often do you fast? I'm not telling you. I'd be a little <laughs> Blow ba- your trumpet, Ray. <laughs> I'd be like a little bouncy ball if I hadn't fasted. There's extra 5,000 meals would put the beef on me. I, if I fell over at the beach, I couldn't get up again. Mix you up for the beach ball, yeah. I think one of the, the biggest surprises to me as I studied, I, I studied f- fasting a few months ago, actually, so I was excited that we were doing this episode. But I never saw it in the way that the scriptures describe it, which is as a spiritual discipline. I saw it as like a seasonal recreation, but it's a spiritual discipline in the same way that prayer and meditation and reading God's words are disciplines, things that we should do regularly in our lives to grow closer to the Lord. Well, I I think the psalmist says, I humbled my soul with fasting and nothing humbles me like fasting. Yeah. Like you mentioned earlier on in another program, how when you're hungry, you tend to get grumpy. Well, don't you come near me while I'm fasting. And I think that's why Jesus fasted in the wilderness to show us don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't be around other people because you'll bite their head off because you're so hungry. Yeah, I know when you're fasting, Ray, for sure. <laughs> I think everyone does. Kill a house plan at 10 paces. One author said this about fasting. He said, we practice it either as a restraint on the flesh to preserve it from licentiousness, or a preparation for prayers and pious meditations, or as a testimony of our humiliation and the presence of God when we are desirous of confessing our guilt before him. And think about that, because a lot of times people think about fasting as a way to get what we want from God. Like, if I fast, he will hear my prayers and be more likely to grant them to me. Almost as if, like, the more he sees me suffer, the more he'll say yes to the things that I desire. And that is not the way the scriptures discuss fasting. To your point, we fast for two reasons, according to the scriptures, to recall our mortality and to flee from sin and repent. And I heard one author talk about the fleeing from sin aspect. He said, you know, if you're really hungry— and something you see something that grosses you out. It's absolutely disgusting. What do you say? I lost my appetite. When we come face to face with sin, 
Fasting is the same kind of thing. We should lose our appetite. That's sort of the, the heart behind fasting and repentance. There's a forgotten benefit to fasting. And what fasting does for me is it fills my tank with gratitude. Absolutely. I, I never sit down to a meal without just being exploding with thanksgiving. And if I ever forget to say, Lord, thank you for this food, it happens after like I fill my mouth the third or fourth time. I think, oh, I should really be thankful. And I am. I'm just so thankful that I've got food yeah. and I can taste food. It's amazing, you know, when I am fasting, how just food, it's everything becomes like, like I'm a chocoholic, you know. So when I'm fasting and there's chocolate in front of me, it's like 50 billion times more tempting to eat it. You can realize and recognize how ungrateful you are when it doesn't matter the food that is recommended to you or what restaurant, nothing sounds good. That restaurant doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good. That food doesn't, you're just ungrateful. And fasting is a good, good thing to do. You know, scripture says in Mark six seventeen, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Notice that it doesn't say if you fast. It says when, right? That is a spiritual discipline that is par for the course. It is just understood that you will be fasting. You know, we see in Mark 9 where Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he encounters his apostles who are having a hard time with this demon-possessed individual. And then Jesus casts out the demon and says, well, then the apostles say, "Why, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus's response was, well, this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. And he wasn't saying, go pray and go fast and then come back and try it again. He was expecting them to already be prayed up, to already be fasted up, but they weren't, right? There's a spiritual dynamic attached to prayer and fasting. I just want to say something before you say something, Oscar. And when I say I fasted a lot, I do not do 40-day fasts or 10-day fasts or week fasts or 40 40 minutes is my fast. Isn't it interesting? Breakfast. It's yeah. uh, that's, the, that's the etymology of that word. Yeah, it's a break your fast. There's a unique aspect of fasting in that it reminds us of the relationship between the physical and the spiritual, because we know that we are both flesh and blood. But I think often we tend to assume that there's this barrier between the spirit and the flesh when really we're it is interwoven you can't separate those two and fasting does something i've got this quote and unfortunately i don't remember who who said this but uh here's what it says food is necessary for life when we go without it we deplete ourselves of energy the energy of life and choosing to go without food we're choosing the way of the cross counterintuitively in choosing physical death we experience spiritual life. We learn to depend not on our own strength, but God's. Like the prophet Ezekiel, we make a meal out of the very word of God. As we repent of trusting in the flesh, we better learn to experience the power of the spirit. And Mark, you know, fasting, and I'll read something to that effect in a little bit, but fasting it doesn't just have to be food. It's a, an exercise of self-control, and, and there are different things that we can fast from. You can fast about fasting. Fast from fasting. You just I've been doing stay that for 38 years. <laughs> no, that's actually a, a very good point. In fact, I often bring up to people when they are baptismal regenerationists, you know, you have to be baptized to go to heaven. I say, what baptism are you talking about? There's seven different types of baptisms mentioned in Scripture. But when we start talking about fasting, 
it's very wise to fast from social media from time to time or from going to the movies or going to the arcade or whatever your sort of almost vice is to demonstrate that you, that your soul, your spirit is able to tell your body that the body is not in control, right? God is in control, that I'm able through the power of the Holy Spirit resist these certain things. Now, bear in mind, when you fast, you are filling that with something else. I would highly recommend that. So if your go-to time to eat lunch is at 11 o'clock till noon, well, fill that hour with prayer to give yourself over to spiritual things. Go out and share the gospel from 11 to 12. If that's the time when you're going to don't get too close, though, because nobody needs to know that your throat is an open sepulcher, right? Because fasting does give you bad breath. But we can fast from all sorts of things, just from chocolate, just from... No, that's the most ridiculous that's thing. Just from Ray Comfort. Just think of how many centuries there was no such thing as chocolate. The poor people. I always think about that. Seriously, I'm like, how did people live without... I mean, their chocolate was like honey and, you know, fruit and sweet things like that. Guys, I don't know if this happened. When you were kids, did your parents ever make you sit at the table and eat all your vegetables? I, I put them underneath my what plate. What are uh, vegetables? Was it was just a cultural thing, but my generation it did. You yeah. just had to eat your vegetables. Yeah. And I was amazed at how much, how many carrots you could hide under a chop bone. Because that's what I used to do. So I used to push on and just squash it down. But any, any food you hate. I love vegetables I, I think and fruit. Vegetables. I love fruits and vegetables. Yeah. I don't understand when people don't like fruit. You like carrots as a kid? Oh, Cook I carrots? love them. They would make me dry reach. I'm not kidding. And then I, as I got older, I started to love them. And, you know, to what you said, Mark, prayer and fasting go hand in hand. You really fast to pray, right? To seek after the Lord and to be focused on the things of eternity. Sam Storm said, the ironic thing about fasting is that it really isn't about not eating food. It's about feeding on the fullness of every divine blessing secured for us in Christ. Fasting tenderizes our hearts to experience the presence of God. It expands the capacity of our souls to hear his voice and be assured of his love and be filled with the fullness of his joy. The point is that fasting is a feast Fasting is all about eating. It's all about ingesting the word of God, the beauty of God, the presence of God, the blessings of God. Fasting is all about spiritual gluttony. It's not a giving up of food for its own sake. It's about a giving up of food for Christ's sake. And it's like, man, I, I want to exchange that for the fullness of the Lord. You know, the best seasoning out there is not salt or pepper. It's hunger. Right, Because a hungry man will eat anything. And you think about that spiritually as well, that we've been designed within our spiritual DNA to hunger and thirst after eternal things. But the problem is we fill that with things that feed the flesh. God purposely fills us with a desire to want to seek after that which is greater than ourselves. But it requires God in order for us to seek after God. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies. 
please, for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form, we are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. I think most Christians who maybe have never fasted before are probably asking subconsciously two questions here, which is why should I fast and how should I fast? And we've already covered some of the why. And let me sort of put an exclamation point on that by saying we so often unintentionally go through spiritual fasts. Unintentionally, meaning like we starve the spirit by not paying attention to God and his goodness and his glory. And so a physical fast is the opposite of that. It's starving the physical aspect so that we can be filled spiritually by God and all of his goodness. That is why we fast, to be filled spiritually and starved physically. How should we fast? Like what's, where would you say here, you've never fasted before, here's a good start. I would say one thing, invite a friend because there's a sense of accountability and a checking in on and an encouragement and asking of like, how did that go? What did you learn, et cetera, et cetera. And start small. You mentioned, I don't fast for 40 days. You don't have to fast for 40 days. You can fast for an afternoon and evening. You're gonna fast for 24 hours. Matter of fact, most people don't realize that a fast, like a one day fast was from the day you woke up until night fell. That is a common fasting period of time. So start small. And then I would say, make it a practice. Make it a regular rhythm of your Christian life to interact with fasting. So again, the spirit could be full. Yeah, because it gets your attention. Because every time you're about to go for food, which is natural for us, you remember, wait, I'm fasting and that should turn you toward the Lord and toward prayer. Ray, you were going to say? I love the way the Bible says when Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he hungered. Seriously, you think if you go without food for that long, you just become skin and bone, I think. And so he would have looked pretty gaunt and he hungered. And that's an example for us because I don't know why, why did Jesus fast? You know, he prepared for ministry. I, that was that, that point, but uh, it's a good example for us. You know, that's tied in with when you, when you think about that, when Jesus did fast, in fact, that's Matthew 4, 1 to 2. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry, like you said. But a part of that was preparation. You know, we have to remember the humanity of Christ. He was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And, you know, he experienced hunger and he also had to become focused. I think that parallels with Moses, uh, Exodus 34, 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets, the words of the covenant, the 10 commandments. So we, we see that kind of tie in with times of spiritual significance and abstaining from food. Uh, let me ask you guys this, what's the longest you've ever fasted? For me, this is gonna sound really pathetic, but it was about a day and a half and I could not stand it any longer. I'm not kidding. I had to take my watch off because I kept looking at my wrist and saying, what time is it? It's lunchtime, it's dinner time. And I realized how oriented I am around food. Everything is around food. You know, you sit down with your wife and have food, then you have something to eat later on. 
I only eat one meal a day. I start at eight o'clock and finish about seven o'clock at <laughs> night. But yeah, that, I've done a number of like that. And I just, and time just dragged like you wouldn't believe. And it showed me my weakness. And I, it made me suspect I'm probably slightly hypoglycemic. Cause I, I think you are, eh? Cause I think so. Yeah, I can tell by the way that you have that sense of like you really, it's an urgency, you need food. That actually brings up another point too, real quick before I forget. Not everybody should fast from food. There are medical reasons yeah. why some people should not fast for food. And in that situation, we shouldn't say avoid fasting altogether. Find other ways to devote your spiritual and physical yeah, aspects or to God. that you eat. I mean, it could be tied into food, but you can say, I'm not going to eat this oh, you yeah, know, that I really enjoy. Um, turnips. Oh, don't say that. Turnips. That's what I get. <laughs> I really hate cilantro. Cilantro. Fast yeah, cilantro, turnips. Ray, yes. for the rest of your life. <laughs> okay, I'm on a four-year clam fast right I'll now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been fasting from cigarettes for 50 years now. <laughs> you know, when I was at Bible college, I was 21 years old, and I wasn't on the meal plan. I didn't have any money. So I was doing involuntary fasting. And I would do involuntary fasting for three, four days at a time. Very common to go no, about two days. That's called starving. Well, I remember there was a time where I would remind God how the human body worked. God, I just want to remind you that you designed this. And when you're coming on the second day and the third day and you haven't eaten anything, what would happen? It caused me, it forced me to run towards the Lord, to get inside the Word, because you can't go get another job when you're there living on campus. It, it wasn't part of the curriculum. You couldn't do that. And my parents didn't support me in going to Bible college, and I only saved enough money for this semester for tuition, but not for the meal plan. Right? So it was a very sticky situation. So in reminding God how the body worked, though I was hungry, I was never starving. I really wasn't. And it reminds me of King David. I was once young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Uh, except for televangelists. Except for, t unless you're a televangelist. But I would see God's hand of provision inside my life continually, time after time, where a meal would come up, a food item would come up, something would come my way. And I would be so grateful. For example, at the time I hated apples, but then an apple would come my way and I would take it and I would weep over that apple as I was able to eat that apple. And that would be the one thing that I ate that day. And I didn't like apples, but it was like the best apple. Boy, I've wept over a, a poached egg once after my um, operations that I had for the kidney stones. Yeah. I just wept as I ate. I was so grateful to God. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when I had COVID, you guys remember I've talked about it on the program before. It, it was really, really bad. No, and, I wept for 40 days and 40 nights. But I lost my taste and I bit into orange wedges and they were just rancid, despicable. When I got my appetite back and my taste buds back, it was the most glorious First thing I got was a steak, I remember. And I was so desperate, I got a steak from Mimi's Cafe. <laughs> That's the last place you go for a steak. It was the most delicious thing, you know? But yeah, it does make you grateful. Speaking of delicious things, Rachel attested to this, or give testament to it. When my kids were little, or our kids were little, Susan, my kids, I took them for a walk through a forest. We used to go frog hunting. We didn't eat the frogs. We sold them yeah. because they're these toys that leap around and it's just, they don't have to wind them up. Anyway, went and purchased a chicken, hot chicken, and stopped halfway through and just ate it with our fingers as me and the kids. It was just such a time of bonding and so neat to go back to primal man and eat. Uncooked and everything. Eat huh? like Abraham. It was cooked. He was next to the... The frogs. He just grabbed <laughs> You know, the longest I fasted was, I may have mentioned it before. I went away for personal retreat for a week. 
And I first did, I, I did a three day straight fast. So three days, nothing, only water. I think I, I've shared again before. I read through the New Testament once each day. So 16 hours, I would get up. I think I was getting up at four and then I would just pray and then jump right into the word. Boy, if I did that, I'd sleep for the week. I'd take sleeping pills. <laughs> and this, I went basically from four till about 10. And then I would go to bed again the next day, four to 10, read the whole New Testament. The next day, four to 10, read the whole New Testament. It was the most amazing experience of my life. And then what I did was I broke the fast with a smoothie. And then I went another three days and I fasted and all I had was like a smoothie each day. And then I meditated on and journaled on the verses that I had written down when I was reading through the New Testament. And it was revolutionary for me. In fact, I always think back on that. I used a friend's condo in a high rise building in Long Beach. It was just a beautiful setting near the ocean. And I often think back on that. And I, I, I'm like, Lord, I wish I could do that again. It's just a time thing, you know. But Boy, to me, that sounds like a really nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it was glorious. And it's amazing because when after you've gone a, a couple days, the hunger kind of dissipates and you have a clarity of mind. That's death setting in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slow death. No, but you really, you do you get a clarity of mind. And I can't explain the sense that I, I felt, but... Mark, I mean, you had, to, you had to fast for long periods like that. Did you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, in fact, I mean, I've never fasted for long periods of time voluntarily. But I'm saying even involuntarily, you went three, four days, like you said. Yes, but I was going to get to the fact that we hear of different people. I think Todd Friel had fasted for uh, 40 days, and he kind of withered away quite a bit. And they say that there comes a time where those hunger pains come back, and it's a warning that you need to now eat because if you don't eat, you're entering into some deep trouble and that you can actually die. But, you know, think about that. There are people that have done long-term fasts like that. You got to be careful with that. There's danger involved in that regard. And so... Well, again, the point of fasting is not that you would suffer. Yeah. It's not like the more I suffer, the more the Lord would see me, be pleased with me, et cetera, et cetera. It's, again, to fill the spirit and... uh you don't have to kill yourself to do that. And, you know, Andrew Murray said, he said, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. So there, there is kind of symbolic significance there in terms of, of what's happening as well. And look, guys, scripture is full of examples of fasting. I mean, here... Acts 13, 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Acts 14, 23, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. So, you know, you're seeing that pattern of when, when there's decisions to be made, there's important spiritual things that are going to take place. Uh, Daniel 10, 3, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. You know, again, Daniel was seeking after the Lord in the midst of what was happening. And God's people are called to fast. Joel 2, 12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Jeremiah 36, 9, in the ninth month of the fifth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, a time of fasting before the Lord was proclaimed for all people in Jerusalem and those who had come from the towns of Judah. Wait, one more time. When did he say that? Jeremiah 36, 9. In the ninth year of what? 
I wanted that timestamp again. Uh, Sir, you've just been promoted to the director of the Department of Annoyance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give him a card. That was you, Mark Spence. <laughs> so those are all, all, all significant and important. Wayne Grudem, I think, laid out, again, the significance of fasting and, and what's involved. So he said, number one, fasting increases our sense of humility and dependence on the Lord for our hunger and physical weakness continually remind us how we're not really strong in ourselves and need the Lord. Two, fasting allows us to give more attention to prayer for we're not spending time on eating. Three, fasting is a continual reminder that just as we sacrifice some personal comfort to the Lord by not eating, so we may continually sacrifice all of ourselves to him. Four, fasting is a good exercise in self-discipline for as we refrain from eating food, which we would ordinarily desire, it also strengthens our ability to refrain from sin to which we might otherwise be tempted to yield. And five, fasting also heightens spiritual and mental alertness and a sense of God's presence as we focus less on the material things of this world, such as earnestness and urgency in our prayers. If we continue to fast, eventually we would die. Therefore, in a symbolic way, fasting says to God that we're prepared to lay down our lives, that the situation be changed rather than that it continue. Eurycloden or Eurycloden the storm in the book of Acts. Remember what I think Paul said to the, he says, eat for this is for your health. Even the world uh, believes in fasting in the sense that you people that are um, health conscious have regular times of fasting because they say it's got a beneficial, physically beneficial for your body. No, there's, there's definite uh, great impact from it. And you think of the things that have, you know, been done in history and how God used fasting. Mark referred earlier to, you know, the disciples and the casting out of of the demons, you know, and I think fasting is tied into a kind of a form of spiritual fitness. When you're physically fit, you're ready for certain feats and you're ready to do certain things. You're the one that needs it most, but you know what I'm saying? You're ready for... You're fit for feats. You're fit for feats or feasts maybe, but as a grandpa now, did I just say that? Yeah. yeah, well, you pushed me over to great-grandpa. <laughs> I promoted Ray to great-grandpa. But, you know, I recently realized, wow, I need to get back in the gym because I put my grandson on my shoulders and I run around, I sing this song, playing horsey on Pops's back. He calls me Pops. And I realized, whoa, I need to get into the gym, man, because I want to be fit. To- and please make sure the fan isn't on when you're doing that. Yeah, I know. No, we make sure. That's how you got his haircut. I don't go near it. I want to be able to do this and enjoy it and do it for more grandkids, you know, that are going to come. Yeah, keep going to the gym because it goes downhill. And so I think in the spiritual sense, we also need to think about that. Like, are we ready and prepared for the things that matter in life? And you think of the mission field, Mark, you think of people on the mission field and what they go through. I mean, you talked about having to fast, not by choice, but because you had no other, you know, really recourse, but people on the mission field that are giving up, talk about fasting things. They're, they're fasting from comfort and luxury and family and friends. For the sake of the gospel. Yeah. For the sake of the gospel. Shouldn't that convict us, Mark? It should. And it's not just the mission field, but you think of people that are standing up for righteousness sake and they go to prison. I mean, consider how bad prison food is. Right, that time and time again, we will be put inside situations just because we name the name of Christ where these so-called luxuries will be taken away. And for the sake of Christ, you've lost nothing. You really haven't, right? The story is told in Exodus 20 with the given of the law where when Moses was up on the mountain, he didn't eat. 
One commentator says he didn't eat because he was in the presence of God and he didn't even think about it. In John chapter 4, we have the story of Jesus with the woman at the well. And Jesus tells his disciples, I have meat to eat you know not of. That there really is a spiritual side of eating that we tend to forget about. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When we begin to be simple with what we eat, be content with things that come our way, you are really beginning to be more useful in the master carpenter's hands, where he just has permission to do what he wants to do. But when we are holding white-knuckled onto the things of this world, living to eat, and not eating to live. And listen, I, I worked in the restaurant business for nine years, which is a really long shift, right? I love and I appreciate really good food. Do you really? Do you though, Mark? <laughs> do you? Do you? I'm push back restaurant. against that one a little bit. I could eat soup and salad every single day. That's From one I, place, for, by the way. <laughs> From BJ's. So I now you got a point? Because I, w- I want to jump in and say something and I don't want to cut off what you're saying. My point is leading to what Ray wants to say right now. Yeah, well, you said <laughs> Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know not of. It's really relevant to realize what he was doing at the time. He was witnessing to the woman at the well. I found that like yesterday I did two very long interviews for a new book. And one was one of the worst interviews I've ever done because the guy just said, Ray, you've got this book. And he went from one chapter through to 12 chapters, just saying, chapter one is called this. Tell us about it. And I pulled my heart out and it'd be chapter two. He'd read the title. I said, tell us about it. And I was just thought, no, I've got 10 chapters to go. <laughs> and Ray couldn't even remember the title of the book. It was yeah, like that. At, one point, I, at one point, I said, I've forgotten what this book's about. It's three books away because it was recorded. And I was just uh, trying to say, knock it off. This is, I was exhausted. Then I had to do another interview. And I came out of it and I just stood there and thought, I just feel so tired. And I thought, no, I'm going to go out on the bike with Sam and go to Cerritos College, local college, and share the gospel. And I tell you, I came back just so full of energy and just enthusiastic and excited, wasn't exhausted because I thought I'm going to be mentally exhausted if I go and try and share the gospel, especially on camera. And it was just the opposite. And it's that we've got food when we're sharing the gospel with unsaved people. It's a food to eat nobody knows of. And let's remember again that the the purpose even of what God spoke in scripture about fasting, Isaiah 58, six to seven, it says, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. And I think we need to recognize that, you know, I, I've always been intrigued with the ideas of, hey, when we fast and we don't spend that money that would have been spent on the food, whether it's at home, because that's your expending, or it's eating out or whatever, to give that money for the sake of, of God's kingdom. What do you think of that, Oscar? You. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking what you said before, though. So someone fasts, they're going to save money with the food. Get some gift cards to give to unsaved people because that, uh, it, the way to uh, reach a man's heart is put something in his mouth. And because they, they're not like us, they, they love their food without restraint. Easy, you're smiling. You're not listening. I was going to say, I just started a nonprofit for Oscar to donate his <laughs> fasting money to. <laughs> I'll take it. Man, 
Elizabeth Elliot said something really powerful. She said, one way to begin to see how vastly indulgent we usually are is to fast. It's a long day that is not broken by the usual three meals. One finds out what an astonishing amount of time is spent in the planning, purchasing, preparing, eating, and cleaning up of meals. You know, if there's any practical element to fasting, it's the time save. But I love preparing meals. I do it every day, and I find this it's therapeutic, peeling whatever I'm going to put in, boiling it, cooking it, and presenting it to Sue when she comes home. I hate cleaning them up, and I really like to have edible plates. You know, they have those edible uh, chili bowls. You guys ever had those? No. It's a bread bowl, and they put the chili in it. I mean, mean, like tortillas, but you get pastry and make it hard so you can actually... Eat it at the end. I think it'd be great. We use invention. paper plates oh, all the time. They have edible plates, Mark? And the down under pie, meat pies. That you actually eat the oh, whole. Oh yeah, meat the, pies. Eat the package. I like meat pies. One thing we really miss. So here's the thing, guys. Let me wrap this up and just say that, man, this is so good that we've touched on this because I know people listening uh, have never. Some that are listening have never fasted, and others have been confused about fasting. But God doesn't prescribe something to us that doesn't have spiritual significance. And my encouragement today is that there are people who are going to begin to fast and to make it a regular part of their lives. I've been stirred by this program to become more regular about fasting because I want all that God has. And he's prescribed this for his people. And through it, we can experience his nearness and we can watch him move in significant ways. And so that's really encouraging. Yeah, I'm, I'm convicted. Let's eat. I have a friend who says, you do? Uh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like other people, for I never fast. And then he eats. It's terrible. So, friends, <laughs> we hope you've gotten something out of this insane well, podcast Well, we today. just want you to chew it over. Yeah, chew it over and spit out the bones. And thank you for those of you that have been engaging with us, those of you that have been listening, sharing. This was a comment we got on the platform from Hello Room, H-E-L-L-O-U-R-M-E, however you say that. And uh, they said, must listen. Do you want to hang out with a group of men who love the Lord, enjoy each other's company, and have fun? Then you will enjoy this podcast. That's a good description. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, because we do love the Lord. We do enjoy each other's company most of the time. Oh, yeah. Some of us. Most of the time. And we do have fun. So thanks for joining us, friends. Make sure to uh, email us at uh, podcast at uh, livingwaters.com. Make sure to give us a rating and a comment and to share and subscribe and all that good stuff. And please, when you fast, pray for Mark Spence. See you here next time on the Living Waters podcast. Yes. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.